So today we continue our series, The End is Near, and the title for today's message is, well, what do you expect? And that's actually a good question, really, concerning life, period. What do you expect? How do you think? So there was a book that came out a few years ago, and a lot of people read it, and even some Christians got into it, and I certainly didn't agree with uh, everything in the book or its major premise. But now it's been made into a movie, and since there are so few movies out, I went ahead and rented it. You know how some of these movies that would have come into the theater, you can rent, you can just kind of rent them early. But uh, the name of the book and the name of this movie is called The Secret. Ooh. Right? But the, the idea behind it is actually something more than a story. It's really kind of a philosophy of life that this main character in the story uh, relates to other people in the story. And the idea behind it is you get what you expect. So you have to decide what you want and then expect to get it, and then somehow the universe is going to bring it about and it's going to come to you. Well, I certainly don't think that that is accurate, but I do think that what you expect sets how you feel about your life and how you live your life and I certainly believe that what you hope in is what you expect, and what you hope in should be based on some sort of a solid source, a trustworthy source that's offering you a promise, and then you can hope, and then you can expect, and that's going to keep you positive, but it's also going to make sure that you are in position to receive all that God wants for you if the source that you're hoping in is the Lord. And I think that this is important for us to get when it concerns this discussion about end times because this can be very, very scary. It can seem very harsh, very negative. And I think people are scared enough as it is. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, there's just a whole lot of depressing news out there. And I choose not to rehash all of that in here and, you know, refight all of these different fights. But I think that the things that we're looking at in the world out there are important. Uh, I have a, a message for next week about what I believe you and I need to pay attention to regarding one world government and the beast and the Antichrist or the beast and where everything is headed as regards that. But I wanted to take a week out um, to focus on the positive side of things and to help you understand that if you are in Christ, you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be depressed. In fact, believe it or not, in spite of the news, in spite of all of the things that we may anticipate could happen, we can be very positive, we can be very hopeful, and we can expect great things from God. Amen? Amen. All right. So if you've got a bulletin with you, um, the, uh, I've covered really the first several of these statements in my introduction here. I wanted to put all these things down, even though this isn't technically uh, a message that would be that terribly long. But um, let's look at number one. What do you expect? Well, first of all, understand that expectation equals hope. That's what you're hoping for. Believe it or not, even negative expectation, right, uh, is, is kind of like a negative hope. You're anticipating that something bad is going to happen. So it's kind of like the antithesis of hope, but it's really the same thing. 
Now, this is where I can agree with this book, The Secret, and this lead character in it. When you expect bad things to happen, pretty, pretty typically, you are in a process of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Have you ever heard that statement before, a self-fulfilling prophecy? You start looking for bad things, and you start making bad things happen. Conversely, if you start expecting good things to happen, especially if you understand that those good things are the result of a promise from God, good things start happening. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, the, you know, there was, a, there was a death in the family or maybe a, a family pet died or something like, oh, bad things come in threes, oh no. Okay, can you show me chapter and verse on that? There is no chapter and verse on that. That's a bunch of nonsense. But here's what happens. You start looking for bad things to happen, don't you? And you find, oh, look, look, there it is. There's another bad thing. That's number two. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Bad things come in threes. I'm looking for number three. Oh, ah, bad thing number three. Ah. Ridiculous. Okay. Our hope needs to be set by the word of God, right? So hope is set by a promise. That is number two. Now, promise in Greek is the word epangelma. Say epangelma comes from two Greek words, epi, which is a preposition that it means several different things, but one of the main things it means is upon, epi is upon, and angelma, which is a, a message or a messenger, right? Angelos is the word that we translate uh, angel typically, but it just means a messenger. So epangelma means upon the message. Well, what is the message? The message that we're looking for is the truth of God's word, Amen. So what you do is you set your hope upon the truth of God's word. You set your hope upon this promise or these promises that God is offering to you and I. Number three, a promise then is made by a trustworthy or an untrustworthy source. When you, when you have these thoughts that, oh, you know, bad things come in threes or why, is everything, why, does, why do all these bad things keep happening to me? and you're expecting bad things to happen to you. You're basing your antithetical hope, if you will, your negative hope, on an untrustworthy source, your negative attitude, a superstition that somebody related to you, but you're not basing it on God's word. So understand that a promise is made by a trustworthy or an untrustworthy source. So what I would say to you, and, and this would come against this book, this story, The Secret, is don't trust your heart. Don't trust your desires because they can be misled. God wants to purify your heart and make it good. Don't get me wrong. But people are like, no, just trust your heart. But your heart can be deceived. Your heart can be deluded. And then you become disillusioned. And you begin to despair. And you don't understand. Because the heart wants what the heart wants. What we need to do is we need to delight ourselves in the Lord and then he will give us the desires of our heart. Amen? So I need to choose to be lighthearted about the Lord. That's interesting. Uh, that I just quoted from Psalm 37, 4, but I looked that word up in Hebrew a long time ago, and that word for delight means to be, it means to just be giddy, to be light. Oh. Now that seems weird to think of having that sort of an attitude toward the Lord, especially us guys, you know? Like, Pastor, that was embarrassing what you just did. That didn't look very manly. I'm not going to delight myself in the Lord if it means a No, not going to do that. 
I'm more masculine than that. Well, I'm so masculine, I can do that and not worry about what anybody thinks about it, all right? The point is, you need to be light about that. Now, you know, I know, some, some of you guys, you, you know, you go to the gun store, and you're like, ooh, right? You know. <laughs> Dean goes to the guitar store. Oh, oh my God, that's so, you know. What would happen if you delighted yourself in the Lord like that? Well, what happens is God gives you the desires of your heart. That means if your desires are rotten and terrible, and some of our desires are, he gives you new desires. See, what we have happening in our world today is people just identify with their desires. And then they just go down a, a, a dark path. And, you know, they justify their desires even though they're against Scripture. And what you need to understand is God has the best plan for your life. Amen? And God's plan is not, is, is not thwarted by anything that happens in the world. COVID doesn't thwart God's plan. It's not going to stop what God wants to do. Right? Um, the way some people act, uh, you know, uh, police officers or, or those that are mistreating police officers, that, that doesn't affect what God is doing at all. Right, so somebody, uh, post, I, I'm not on Facebook very much anymore. Uh, I check it in the morning and I pretty typically try to post a scripture. Occasionally, I'll see something uh, that I want everybody to know. I don't have it on my phone anymore, so I literally have to troop down the hallway, go to my office, get on my computer. If it's a, 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 you know, some sort of a, a YouTube, then I gotta go get the link off YouTube and then post it. So if I post something on Facebook, I think it's important. I'm not just on my phone just posting stuff all day anymore. But I check my Facebook maybe once a day and uh, somebody was very honest, and they, they posted, you know, things are just really depressing right now. But what I said is, that gives us more of an opportunity to shine. Amen? The scripture says, arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness, yes, deep darkness covers the earth, the light of the Lord will shine upon you. Amen? That is not circumstantial. That's not based on what's going on in the world. That's God's promise. It's rock solid, and nothing anybody can do can change that. That's why you can be the most positive person, and that's why in the midst of a dark world, in the midst of a lot of scary talk, you can be a very positive person. Amen? All right. So number four, only God is completely trustworthy. So other people make us promises. So I had somebody that uh, was, was out here, uh, and they were sitting, and they were having a little fellowship out there, and uh, I came out and talked with them, and uh, they said, hey, we're going to be out here again. I said, oh, really? You know, because I couldn't, I couldn't have fellowship with them at that point in time. I said, oh, really? When are you coming? Oh, we'll be out here like sometime around 3 o'clock on Friday. I was like, okay, I'll meet you out here, and I was going to bring them something. Well, guess what? They didn't show up at 3. They didn't show up at 4. They didn't show up at 5. They didn't show up at all. Has that happened to you? So this is what, now that's a little hope, isn't it? Okay, but this is a reason, by the way, and I'm looking at young people because young people have a tendency to make promises that they don't keep. There's just a real tendency in our culture right now to make promises that you don't keep. I have a young man that I used to mentor all the time who calls me periodically. And he'll say, hey, Pastor D, blah, blah, and we'll talk for a while. And then he'll say, love you, Pastor D, I'm going to call you back. And I know he's not. <laughs> I just... I know this kid. He's not calling me back. 
hey, Pastor Dave, I've got another call. I'll call you right back. Okay, you're not. And, you know, I just know. So there's lots of untrustworthy sources, and it doesn't mean that they're bad people. They just don't understand how important it is to keep your word. I really, really try to keep my word. Now, I, my problem is having a bad memory, right? You know, I say I'm going to do something, and then I forget. That's terrible, all right? But God doesn't have a bad memory, amen? He's got a good memory. He keeps his promises. So God has made great and magnificent promises which permit us to participate in his divine nature and escape the corruption in the world through human desire. I basically just quoted 2 Peter 1.4. We talked about this in this room at Bible study several weeks back. Now, you can, uh, you can get this on podcast. You can get all the Bible studies on podcast. So if you want to go back and get any of that, just subscribe to the podcast and then go back through and pick it. Or you can go on our YouTube channel and get it. The reason why I'm saying that is because I covered in detail that night something that I think is very important for you to be in position and in condition to receive God's promises. You need to look in this book like it's a treasure hunt. See, people read the Bible and they're bored because they're not looking for God to say anything to them. See, I'm always looking for God to say something to me. I'm always looking for God to say something to you because I want to teach you what I think God is trying to say. And I look at everything. That's why I watched this movie this week and it caused me to change uh, how I was going to approach the, the message today because you need to know that what you expect matters. And you need to realize that setting your hope and your expectations by God's word is going to keep you positive. It's going to keep you sane. It's going to make you a light that shines in a dark world. That's what you and I need to understand. Well, number five, God has promised the day of judgment will come and bring justice to the world. Now, that's what I talked to you guys about several weeks ago. It's called the day of the Lord. It's the time period when God will pour out his wrath upon the earth. That's the scary part. So we see injustice in the world, and we've gone over these things. And we're, you know, we have all of these different movements and, and emphasis and protests and so forth to try to, you know, to right the wrongs that we see. You hear talk about social justice and so forth. But the only time that full-on justice is going to come is when Jesus returns. And prior to the return of Christ, there is a period of time, a relatively brief period, that some interpreters have called the Great Tribulation. It's a seven-year period, and there's going to be some heavy-duty bad stuff that's going to happen. That seven-year period called the Great Tribulation is the time when God is pouring out his wrath upon the earth. Listen, I, I, I'm just going to repeat what I said several weeks ago. Nobody gets away with anything. You can't hide anything from God. You don't get away with any God. I don't get it. That's why you need to confess it. Because if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And then you don't have that standing over your head like the sword of Damocles, right? You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for what God's going to do. What's going to happen when I stand before God in judgment because I've done some bad things in my past? All of us have. And if you don't think you have, then your self-righteousness is your bad thing. And Jesus got all over the Pharisees about that. And, you know, I mentioned this last week, and I didn't really go into a lot of detail because I, I, I talked about the fact that uh, the Pharisees were actually the liberals of their day, the leftists of their day, and the Sadducees were actually the right-wingers of the day. Jesus came down hard on both of them. He didn't give any of them a pass. He didn't say, well, you know what? You Pharisees, you're just trying to do the right thing, so I'm going to give you a pass. No, they were self-righteous. They were sanctimonious. 
That used to be the province of the right, sanctimonious, self-righteous, legalism, right? That used to be the religious people were like that. Not anymore. Now you can see it on the right, you can see it on the left. That's why what I told you last week, left and right's irrelevant. It's the truth that matters. If you stand on the truth, then sometimes it'll look like it's left, sometimes it'll look like it's right, but that whole, that whole left-right idea is relative to the culture and the values of the culture that you're in, okay? Um, so God has promised that day of judgment when he is going to make all of the, the wrongs right. So in Acts 17.31, the Apostle Paul clearly said that Jesus was raised from the dead to return and bring that judgment to the earth. You can see that also in Romans 2, 5, and 6. And if you want to look at the day of the Lord as it reaches its apex, its climax, then read Revelation chapter 16. Woo! Difficult time. That's when the bowls of wrath are poured out on the earth. All right? Number six, and this is the important part, and this is how I want to set your expectations. God has promised that all of those who are in Christ are forgiven. Amen? That gives us confidence when the day of judgment approaches, all right? Um, Romans 3, 23 and 24, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by the redemption that came through Christ Jesus, amen? You hear Romans 3, 23 a lot, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the very next verse is really the point of it, and are justified, that means made right, freely, by the redemption, that means Jesus came and he bought us back from the slavery to sin that we're in. He bought us back and brought us back from the curse of death, right? He redeemed them through his blood, right? So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. That's important. So you and I need to get ourselves situated so that we know that we are in Christ Jesus. Um, and there are plenty of the other verses if we want to go through and give you texts on that. Number seven, on the heels of that, God has promised that all of those who are in Christ will not be condemned. So when he's pouring out his wrath upon the earth and bringing justice to the earth, the ultimate end of people who have rejected Jesus is that they pay the price for their own sin. They are condemned. But the scripture says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? There is no what? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Then you don't have to fear condemnation. If you're not, if you don't know, get that situated because we don't know when Jesus is going to return. We don't know when the world is going to end. And this is the only hope that I can offer you. I can't offer you hope that the country is going to get any better with this official or that official in power. I really can't. And I don't think that we're intended to put our hope there. But I can tell you this, whoever gets elected and whatever gets happened, my hope is set on the Lord. And I know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. How many things work together for the good of us that love God? All. all. Well, even if your candidate doesn't get into office? That's right. All things work together for the good. Even if the end has come and there's a world government and there's the beast in power and all of this? No, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. 
And his fundamental purpose is to make you like Jesus, right? That's not your little independent private purpose. This is the purpose of becoming more like Jesus. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what the very next verse says, right? He's seeking to conform you to the image of Christ to prepare you for eternity with God in heaven. Um, number eight, those who are in Christ live under God's favor. That's just good stuff right there. That's where your hope can be set. That's why you can have expectations that are positive every day. That's why you can expect that good things are coming your way every day. Amen? Because you are under the favor of God due to Christ's grace that he offers you. If you're in Christ, then you are in the unmerited, undeserved favor. See, people think of favor and they think, well, it's something, you know, I've been doing good, so God's going to bless me, right? If you're doing good, it should be as the result of your thanks to the Lord who's blessed you, amen? It's an offering of thanksgiving to him. So as we're, we're studying in, in 2 Peter on Wednesday, I'm talking to people about the fact that they need to put some hustle in their faith, right? That uh, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. So I want to work, I want to do, I want to be more because I want to offer up a living sacrifice to the Lord. I want to give him a thanksgiving offering. I'm not working to try to get into heaven because I'm not good enough, I'm never going to be good enough to do that because I keep tripping over my own shoestrings. Which, that's literal sometimes, by the way. <laughs> it is. I was up here, okay, on this very stage right here, and I put, a, I put a stool. There's this little shelf right here that we got a bunch of stuff stored up there, and I was trying to get a mic stand down from up there because we had them stowed kind of in the back. So I put this stool up there, and I climb up on the stool, and the stool does this. So I'm like, dude, I'm getting old. I probably shouldn't be doing this. And I'm thinking, I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall. Lord, I don't want to fall. So I get up there, and I get the mic stand down, and then I got to get up there again, and I stepped on my own shoestring and just about fell off because I didn't double tie my shoes and get my shoestrings. I mean, sometimes literally you fall over your own shoestrings, but often we fall over our own expectations. We fall over our own weaknesses and frailties and sins, right? And we trip. But the Lord is happy to pick us up from that fall, right? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he will not be hurled headlong, for it is the Lord that upholds his hand. Amen? That's also Psalm 37. Now, I'm sorry, but I only memorized it in KJV, so that's what you got. <laughs> Plus, there was a song that we used to sing in one of my old churches, The Steps of a Good Man. Or, or, okay, I won't say it. Anyway, and so as a, that's why it's really cool when you get these scripture songs that can help you memorize uh, uh, the verses, right? But I know that the Lord is going to order my steps, and I know that when I fall, though he fall, it doesn't say he'll never fall. It says, though he fall, there's an expectation that there will be times when you'll trip. There'll be times when you lose your temper. I seem to be tripping a lot lately. This is, this is true. I, I'm just you know, telling you that I'm human here. But um, Miss um, Rachel brought a bunch of food down here uh, from her school that was left over uh, on, I don't know, when did you bring that? Tuesday? Thursday? Thursday? After drama, okay. And so there were a bunch of chocolate milks there, and I'm trying to give all this food away, but I've got a bunch of, and by the way, there's a bunch of chocolate milks still upstairs, it's in the refrigerator. So I'm taking this big sack of chocolate milks, and it's dark in the stairwell, and I'm clomping up the stairs, and I don't know if you've ever walked up these stairs, but they, all the stairs have a little overhang. 
I cannot tell, I've been walking up those stairs for 11 years and I still catch my toe on those stupid overhangs. I made it all the way up to the top, but it was so dark up there and I had all this stuff in my hand. I thought, have you ever done this? I thought I had reached the top step. Oh, no. <laughs> Incorrect, fell on my face. Smacked my knees. I was like, what in the world? So then, you know, it's not that you tripped. It's like, how did you respond to that? And I will tell you, I responded well at, at first, but then I started getting madder and madder at myself. Not so much, right? No, though he fall, he will not be hurled headlong. I didn't like do a face plant, praise God, right? I did get up. I didn't even bruise my knees, which is good. Everything is okay. But that's a metaphor. I'm talking about when we do a face plant in life or we seem to be ready to do a face plant in life. Listen, just hold that hand up and he's going to grab it and lift you up. Amen? All right? Um, those who are in Christ live under God's favor. We are not appointed for wrath. Amen? Say, I am not appointed for wrath. See, you will stand before God in judgment, but that is going to be for reward, to reward you for what you have done or not done in this life. But this is why we keep ourselves clean and we keep ourselves confessed up and we confess our sins daily. We renounce our sins. That means we turn our backs on them. That's one of the karate verses, right? Whoever conceals his sins, he who conceals his sins will not prosper. If you hide your sins, you won't succeed. But if you confess them and renounce them, renounce. Word that younger people probably don't use, it means you turn your back on them. You say, no, that is not me, and I don't want to have any part of that anymore. Confess them, get honest with God about them, and renounce them. That person will find mercy. That's Proverbs 28, 13. And then I quoted 1 John 1, 9 from the New Testament earlier, that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You need to, you need to check that on a daily basis. Be, just as you make the mistake, confess it to the Lord. And then ask him to help you to turn your back on that, Right? So, number nine, we will escape the wrath of God that will be poured out on the world when Christ comes to remove his people from the earth in what has been called rapture. Oh, you didn't know I was going to talk about that, did you? There's a lot of people who don't believe in the rapture anymore. The word rapture is not used in the scripture. It's a word that describes being caught up, all right? So, uh, I actually had all these verses laid out on my phone, but I didn't take my phone out before I started preaching. But if you want to, uh, if you have a Bible with you and you want to go over to um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, this is what it says. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep. That means those who have died. I'm starting at verse 13, by the way. Uh, those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of an archangel, or the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. 
After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. There's where we get the word rapture. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That is encouraging, isn't it? Right? So um, my intent through this series has not been to go, you know, try to go in depth into the book of Revelation or Daniel or even Jesus' eschatological discourse, which I read in its entirety last week, but to give you some highlights. But I will tell you, if you read the book of Revelation, it's outlined in sevens. There are seven churches, then there are seven seals, then there are seven trumpets, and then there are seven bowls of wrath, right? The seven churches describe uh, types of churches that exist throughout the, the so-called church age. You're going to see churches that match the same profile as those seven churches throughout this entire time that the church is on the earth. The seven seals are an overview, right? They're, they're the seals on the scroll. And what is the scroll? Well, different interpreters have said it's different things. I think the scroll is essentially the message that we find in the book of Revelation. Jesus, as the lamb, comes before the throne and is given... Uh, he's the only one that has the right to open the scroll, and he does. Well, in the process of opening it, it's a scroll that is sealed with seven different seals. And as each seal is broken, something new happens. But those seven seals are an overview of everything that happens within the scroll. Then the seven trumpets talk about some uh, tragic things that are going to happen upon the earth, and they're all partial during that time period, there are, there, are, there are partial catastrophes. They don't cover the whole earth. And then there are seven bowls of wrath, and they are total. They cover the earth. They happen to everyone that is upon the earth. Well, um, what we find in chapter 7 of Revelation, before the, uh, the uh, seventh seal is broken and the trumpets are blown and we start getting these partial uh, tragedies that are going to happen, we find that God seals 144,000 on their foreheads. Listen to the scripture. This is Revelation 7 verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. And then it lists the tribes and it lists them in a very, very unique way, as a matter of fact. Now, there are various interpretations as to what those 12 tribes are, but I believe that they represent the, the totality of the people of God who were on the earth at that time. One way or the other, even if you don't agree with that particular interpretation, what you can see is an example of God protecting his people. Amen? Bad things are going to happen. Bad things are already gonna ha or have already been happening. But you can count on the fact that you are in God's favor when you are in Christ and that you are protected. Amen? We've had several people in, in, at our church that have been exposed to the coronavirus. Several have actually tested positive, and it hasn't hurt anybody. I prayed for you for 23 days and fasted that, yeah, first of all, that you wouldn't get it at all, but now that we've seen that it's not so virulent as it used to be, and there's not so many people dying in emergency rooms and so forth, 
I, I prayed that over you because I believe that that protection is extended to us when we put ourselves in Christ. I want you safe. Amen? And I, I've prayed for people that are not real fond of me. <laughs> I've prayed for people that don't agree with me by name because I don't want this to harm you. I don't want you to be harmed at all in any way. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to go through persecution. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have pain at times. That doesn't mean we're not going to have difficulty. But what you need to, to put yourself in a position is counting on God to protect you. Guys, that's what it means to be saved. Fundamentally, being saved means being saved from the wrath of God, from the wrath of God that is poured out on the earth. So there will be persecution. There will be difficulty. There will be tribulation. But you can count on the fact that if you are in Christ, you are protected. And that is what I pray for you. So here we have these 144,000. Now, what we find is that the 144,000 are taken off the earth right before the bowls of wrath are poured out. So that, that 144,000, that group of people that have been sealed and protected are on the earth during the trumpet judgments, which, which, trumpet judgments, which as I indicated, are partial. So I think that one way or the other, that helps us to understand how God operates. Bad things are always going to be a part of a fallen world. Amen? We're going to go through difficulties. We're going to go through challenges. But we'll make it. Amen? Um, there is no temptation that has come upon you. There is no test that has come upon you. Same word in Greek. But such as is common to human beings. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able to bear. Did you hear that? God is faithful. And he will not let you be tested beyond what you're able to bear. But he will with that test or that temptation provide the way of escape so that you can endure it. You and I need to endure. We need to hold on to the very end. Listen to what the scripture says in Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings. What is Paul insane? We rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character, get this, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Amen? Man, that's good stuff. So yeah, you're going to go through difficulty. You probably already are going through difficulty. You know, a lot of the difficulties that we're facing, though, are cognitive. They're mental, right? They're the result of what we're being told. Tune out of all of the media and spend some time with your family, and I bet you'll find that you get your sanity back. Well, some of your families, maybe not. But anyway, <laughs> just kidding. I love your kids. I love all your kids. And I can spend 30 or 45 minutes with them. All right. <laughs> so number 11, and this is kind of, you know, you don't have to write this down, but it's the last one that's on your, on your sheet there. What do you expect? What do you expect then? A, you expect, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I'll play it by ear then you're going to be driven by the winds of circumstance. You're going to be one of those people, and you are one of those people if this is you, if you're the we'll see type, you're one of those people that looks and says, you know what, I'm, I'm really having a bad day today because your circumstances are not good. Man, I'm having a good day today. This is such a good day. Good day, good day, good day, good day. 
you need to be one of those people that trusts the Lord no matter what the circumstances are, right? That's the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on circumstances. comes from the English word hap, which means it's the root of our word happen, happening, and happy, right? So how I feel is based on what's going on around me. But joy comes from me putting my full hope and trust in the Lord. So faith in our good and loving Father results in relentless hope. Amen? Relentless. That means unending hope and unquenchable joy even in the midst of trouble. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's James 1, 2 through 4. Now I'm going to conclude with a couple of other scriptures here. Uh, I posted this one uh, on my Facebook, and I wanted to read it to you. This is Psalm 33, 20 through 22. We wait for the Lord. Now, here's what you need to understand. That word wait in Hebrew could be translated hope in. This is not waiting around. Okay, I'm waiting for the Lord. Lord, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Hello, I'm waiting. No, it's anticipation. It's I'm waiting upon the Lord. I'm looking for the Lord to do great things. We wait for the Lord. He is our deliverer and shield. What does a shield do? Can it protect you from COVID? If it's the Lord's shield, it can. For our hearts rejoice in him. Again, joy. For we trust in his holy name. May we experience your faithfulness, O Lord, for we wait for you. We wait for the Lord. We hope in the Lord. We wait for the Lord. We expect the Lord to do great things in our lives. Amen? Expect God to do great things and attempt great things for the Lord. So I'm going to conclude um, with this, uh, this blessing. This is the Levitical blessing, right? And I want you at the end, if you want to receive this blessing, I want you to say amen, all right? Are you ready to receive it? Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen? amen. Do you receive that blessing from the Lord? Now, you can walk out of here full. You can walk out of here hopeful. And you can expect great things from God. You need to have a wide eye. You know what? I love being around little kids, at least most of the time, right? They're so wide-eyed and excited and enthusiastic about everything. Look, a lizard! Their eyes are like saucers. I was in the back room during the movie. We had a, we had a movie, a, a family-friendly movie here on uh, Friday. I was in the back room, and little Shiloh was back there running around. And there's a, there's a, there's a zebra print up on the, the, the upper wall up there uh, that kind of covers our, our HVAC closet. And he's pointing up at that. And he said, I said, what is that, Shiloh? I said, what kind of animal is that? And he's excited about the zebra print. I'm like, dude, it's a zebra print. They're just excited about everything. What happens if you go through life expecting God to do great things? This is where I can agree with the secret, all right? Because my hope is not set on my, what my heart wants, what my desires are. It's set on what the Lord has promised. Now I can give you this example that the lead character in the secret gives. 
he, he takes a, a refrigerator magnet off the refrigerator and there's like something metallic here on the, on the table, like a paperclip or something. And he said, your expectation is like this magnet and it attracts things to you. And see, I think there's a very real um, application there because some of us go around with these negative expectations and we attract bad things to us, right? So there's a proverb that says, if you look for trouble, it will find you. You don't have to look for trouble long before it finds you. But if you look for good, then you will find favor from the Lord. That's what you need to do. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you, old you are. This is the truth. Now, some of us temperamentally are just naturally negative people. And that's why you need to get in the word and let the word set your hope. Some of you are naturally more positive people. So you like this kind of a message because it just, you know, bolsters what you already do. But we need to be positive people because we have this hope from the Lord. Amen?